0: Live from Lane County, Oregon. It's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Moltovich, and now here's Jay.
1: And good afternoon, and and it's a gorgeous day here in the Pacific Northwest. It was supposed to be foggy all day, and well, we never, it must have just been just enough breeze to keep the inversion from happening last night. Got darn cold this morning and frosty, but man, it turned in a beautiful sunny day. Broke 50 degrees here in December. Bright, clear blue skies. You can see the uh, sisters in the on the horizon from my house, and uh, it's just uh, one of those beautiful beautiful days here uh, that we rarely get in december uh, here in the pacific northwest but this is the Bose nose show coming to you live from beautiful downtown elmira oregon and i'm jay bozovich your host west lane county commissioner here in lane county oregon and uh this shows kind of all about lane county oregon and national uh politics and news but it's a free for all day here. We don't have a guest. You get to control the conversation just by calling us at 646 721 9887. Just press one, let's Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646 721 9887. Just press one, let's us know you want to talk. So It is a free for all day but i kind of posted that i wanted to continue a conversation i started last thursday night i held a telephone town hall which is just an amazing piece of modern technology that you can do nowadays where i i pay for service to actually uh, that keeps people's phone numbers by uh, geographical region you know one of those things where you draw a, a um Polygon or blob onto a map and it can pick off all the phone numbers inside that that closed. Um, you know, geometric area and and call into it basically had them call into as many phone numbers as they had. Um, for folks inside my West Lane County District here, which was you know thousands of phones that ring all at once. Ended up with about a thousand people that actually accepted the call and got on the phone at any one time during the telephone town hall. And it allows also people to print, punch zero on that one to, to, to ask a question. But we talked about affordable housing in the telephone town hall. And uh, it was an interesting discussion. One of the things I brought up was just, you know how unaffordable housing's become here in Lane County and Oregon in general and, and kind of across the nation, but there's some statistics that are specific here to Lane County that I brought out. One is that um, one in three renters in Lane County spends more than 50% of their household income on housing, and that is the definition of extremely housing burden. They say you shouldn't spend more than 30% of your income on on housing, uh, household income on housing. And that's considered housing burden if you're over 30%. When you get over 50%, they call that extreme housing burden. And those are usually people that are just one um, car repair bill or, um, you know, accident that takes them out of work and and misses a few paychecks away from getting uh, an eviction notice because they're so on the bubble uh, with being able to afford their housing. And uh, one out of three renters in Lane County, when you think about how many people actually rent versus own their homes, um, that's pretty, pretty many people that are severely housing burdened in Lane County. And then on top of that, last July, we set a record in Lane County where the median uh sales price of a home broke three hundred thousand dollars. Uh and that's really um a pretty amazing uh statistic when you think about Lane County. That's uh that's you know we're not we're not um San Francisco we're we're not New York City. Uh we don't have everybody spending a million dollars for a three bedroom Uh, 1,100-square-foot home, Uh, this is, you know, a fairly rural, uh, modest area of of the country, and here we have our median home, uh, single-family home, going for $300,000. And what that equates to, if you kind of work backwards on that towards what kind of income it takes to to qualify for a conventional mortgage, uh, 20% down, 80% loan-to-value ratio, You'd have to have at least an $80,000 household income to qualify to support a $300,000, the mortgage on a $300,000 home with 20% down. That means that most people in Lane County can't afford to buy a house in Lane County when the price is up there because our median family income in Lane County is less than $50,000. So really, um, there's a disconnect between where our housing market is obviously with this severely um, rent burdened people, one in three of our renters are severely rent burdened and the median price of our houses is 30,000 a year above what our median family income can afford. Um, It's just uh, really an issue here in Lane County, and in fact, uh, has been leading to an issue for us when it comes to economic development. As I work with Sarah Means, who I have to congratulate, our economic development manager in Lane County was named to uh, the 20 under 40 uh, to watch list by uh, the Register Guard as one of the 20 people under 40 years of age that is uh, got potential to be a real mover and shaker in this community in the future. And Sarah Means, our uh, Lane County's uh, Economic Development Manager, was named to that, one of the 20 people named that list. So congratulations, Sarah. But as I talk with her about her efforts to attract um, new business into Lane County or to try and keep um, and help our existing businesses here expand one of the issues we're running up against is where are the people going to live that are going to work for my business is the question she gets because we're starting to see um problems with businesses expanding and trying to attract people and and workforce from out of the area uh, talent or whatever coming here and then the people not being able to find housing they can afford or housing that's satisfactory to them in their price range and turning, turning positions down, and it's getting difficult to find workforce because the housing is the issue. And that's, that's a common thread throughout Oregon and throughout the nation now, that housing is becoming so expensive. And whichever community can kind of start resolving that housing issue, is going to win the economic development battles of the future, as far as being able to to attract employers and keep employers that have high paying jobs and be a successful community, is to keep housing costs down. And really when it comes to housing costs, the real issue is how much is available, supply. You know, it's the old supply and demand that you hear about in economics, that price is, is a function of supply and demand so you really really want to try and get um, folks to to work on the supply side to keep the cost of housing down and one of the things i talked about in my telephone town hall last week was the senate bill 1051 that the legislature passed in the last session that would actually um, make it possible for lane county to allow rural residential properties to have accessory dwelling units on them. Right now, you're only allowed to have one dwelling unit on a rural residential property. What this would allow is you to have a second unit that's accessory to the um, primary unit, which means smaller than or or attached to it. Be things like an attached um, apartment that serves as a mother-in-law suite or a converted barn possibly that has been converted for housing, or even bringing in um, a single wide trailer or manufactured home uh, would be one of the things that you could could do for an accessory dwelling unit. And with that, we could actually really expand quite a bit of housing. 100,000 people live in rural Lane County outside of city limits. And that's what would, would be affected by this uh, accessory dwelling units. And so, if you think about even if if five uh, percent of people took advantage of placing accessory dwelling units out there, we could add thousands of of spaces for folks to live in Lane County uh, over time uh, in a very quick fashion because you can imagine how easy it would be for some people maybe to uh, convert a garage into an apartment, uh, convert a shop building into an out to an actual uh, dwelling or, bring a manufactured home in onto their property. And, and, uh, of course, one of the things we have to make sure of is the proper sanitation and um, water supply and a few other things that go along with that, but be one of the fastest ways to build new housing supply in Lane County and particularly in some of the areas that need workforce housing for the service industry because they've kind of had to live on a a service economy of tourism. Uh, like the the coastal areas of Florence, Oak Ridge, where mountain biking and, and uh, winter sports are becoming a big thing, uh, it those those are tend to hire service employees into those industries. That expense of having an accessory dwelling unit um, may be just the thing to house that kind of workforce. Um, so. Interesting enough, I was able to actually do polling through this telephone town hall, and I added three to one support for accessory dwelling units from the folks that were actually um, listening on the telephone town hall. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, what ideas you all may have and how to add housing to Lane County and to bring the supply up to keep the price down. Uh, what ideas you have? Do you think accessory dwelling units are a good thing, a bad thing? Just have to give me a call here, 646-721-9887 to get in on the conversation. Press one lets us know you wanna get in on the conversation here and uh, we'll get you in. And it looks like we have somebody that wants to get in on the conversation uh, here. Uh, It looks like Robin's talking to him right now and once uh, Robin gets them into the queue, we'll get him on because we just got somebody there. Hang on just a minute caller, I'm trying to get you on. So Wayne, let me know your thoughts on on housing here in Lane County or did you have something else you want to talk about?
0: No, it's housing in Lane County and it's expanding the urban growth areas. Why don't you guys Mm -hmm. organize yourselves, the whole county commission and then organize other people in the county and go to other counties and just go to the state and enlarge our urban boundaries we could grow all the way from springfield up to Oak Ridge, all the way from vanita to walterville and never interfere with any farm ground just, yeah, just a thought and,
1: and it's, yeah and, and so it's, again you know, it's a good thought it's a good thought but currently state law is really um prohibitive of doing um urban growth expansion state
0: law does not understand what
1: you're
0: saying yeah they don't prohibit you from organizing okay you know
1: yeah yeah
0: i mean the money has saved us in taxes why don't you just organize people and that would i mean organize the whole county and then go to the next county every county in the state of oregon has the same problem it's just the state is too stupid to listen to you End of my comment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks, Wayne. I appreciate your comment. And I appreciate you for listening to Bo's Nose Show. So, yeah, Wayne brings up a great point. One of the ways we can expand our housing stock is to expand our urban growth boundaries. And we we, uh, just went through the whole Envision Eugene process, which took over seven years as Eugene tried to expand their urban growth boundary and they ended up expanding it for some industrial lands and for some school property and park property, but they did not expand any residential land as part of that expansion, which just shows how difficult it is under current law to justify an expansion of a city for residential housing. So there does need to be change at the state level and kind of one of the first things we managed to get changed in the count, and 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 it was through organizing because the association of Oregon counties actually lobbied for passage of Senate Bill 1051 and the allowance of those accessory dwelling units outside of urban growth boundaries. But really, the greatest potential for adding housing is in cities and in urban growth boundaries. And I think. Wayne's got quite a good point there, is we need to keep pushing um, the state legislature about making it easier for a city to justify expanding their urban growth boundaries for residential growth. Right now, you have to look at a 20-year supply of residential lands, and they make you look at every possible lot of infill inside the existing urban growth boundary every every possibility for redevelopment at higher densities and all that you know knowing full well that a lot of those places that 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 they want to count as as potential um, residential lands will never be developed because they're either on too steep a slope like in the south hills of eugene or that's redevelopment of what's already um, valuable residential properties that aren't gonna just redevelop um, into more density uh, just because you could possibly do it according to the zoning. uh, All you have to look at is that South Willamette um, rezoning they tried to do to make a higher density along Willamette Street down there uh, around 24th uh, to 29th Street there and how much the neighborhood came unglued when they proposed doing that. So it's one of those things where they kind of make you count um, almost imaginary uh, housing supply inside your urban growth boundary. And then they say, well, you already have enough there so you can't expand it. There's gotta be some changes to the rules and the law relative to what counts as existing inventory inside an urban growth boundary that's realistic and and in terms of being able to develop. And that's really where we'll get to being able to expand our urban growth boundaries easier. And there's lots of marginal land surrounding cities that is not um, that high value farm or forest land. And in fact when you think about Oregon, so little of Oregon is developed um and has you know man's footprint on it that kind of some of this the idea of saving some of the forest land around some of the cities that's already been impacted by having uh some of the development around it doesn't make a lot of sense so really kind of that's really one place we really do need to keep pushing so i agree with wayne we do need to uh keep working towards getting the legislature to to make it easier for cities like Eugene. And it looks like Wayne wants to get back in on the conversation here. So Wayne, you got another question or comment?
0: Yeah, I have another comment, and that's the cost of permits, okay? The cost of Mm -hmm. permits have soared drastically. You take the cost of building a house here, just permit-wise, versus down south, it's ridiculously high. End of question or statement.
1: Yep. All right, Wayne. And which is another great point that Wayne brings up, and it's changed and I watched it change. I uh, worked in alongside the housing industry most of my career as a civil engineer. Uh, I designed subdivisions and apartment uh, developments and commercial uh, uh, developments and office complexes all over the years, and I've watched the developers uh, that have to pay these these fees. And, you know, once upon a time ago, there wasn't ever such a thing as a system development charge. And the the fees for building permits, you know, were relatively low cost and the amount of review time it took to get them done, which time is money for developer also, and and a builder um, seemed to get longer and longer. And uh, I watch those, you know, from my early career um, in the 80s up through current time. They've just exploded in cost, um, you know, going up, you know, probably over a thousand percent during that time. And it adds to the cost of housing. And there's this, you know, every every uh, you know thousand dollars you increase the uh, value of a home, you eliminate hundreds of people that could qualify you know with their incomes uh, from being able to purchase those homes so you know it's something we need to try and work on and hold down is those permit costs and uh you know we we have to be cognizant of that one of the things we've done in lane county is you know we had to put our permit department completely on um, self-support where we took away all the general fund support uh, several years back when we lost all of our timber money because we couldn't, uh, we were having to concentrate our our general fund resources just on keeping our public safety system uh, functioning at, at the low level we had to cut it back to. And uh, development, you know, fees and all that had to be self-sustaining. That department had to pay for itself. We've actually um, invested some general fund back into the, the, that department in some ways to try and levelize the staff so that when we when permits fall off like they did after 2008 in the fall of the housing market and we had to lay off a bunch of staff in that department suddenly as as the housing market's coming back and we're getting a lot of permits. There's this delay in hiring and being having staff ready to handle that workload and what we what we're doing now is is we took some uh, general fund monies is that kind of made a one-time investment to to keep staff around and staff up kind of ahead of the the, the crunch and permitting to try and make sure we didn't get behind in the permitting. So we are starting to try and hold some of that permit cost down but there's more that could be done in that area. So everything we can do to make it cheaper to build a house, which means, it particularly trying to keep the land cost down, and that's part of um, the whole issue of urban growth boundaries. Is is lot bare ground lot cost to build a house now? You know, used to be when I first moved to Oregon in the 90s, you could buy a finished lot with water and sewer coming to it, electric and telephone, and all that at the property line, for somewhere between 40 and 60 thousand dollars a lot. It is over hundred thousand dollars now just to buy the bare ground before you even, you know, get a building permit and, and put in a foundation and start building your house. So if you're starting at over a hundred thousand just for the dirt, you can imagine, you know, what that does to the final cost of a house. Uh, and that's really, you know, where if you have more land available and the price of the land you purchase before you even start trying to build roads and lay water lines and sewer lines to, to lots. Um, that's really part of what's driving that per lot cost is the bare ground, even raw ground. It hasn't been subdivided it inside it. That UGB that's subdividable has gotten extremely expensive because there's so little of it. Or you have to redevelop something to develop um, ground now, which is extremely expensive. So anything we can do to expand the raw ground supply will will ultimately drop the per lot cost down for housing, which makes housing supply work better. Any way we can improve the ability to expand urban growth boundaries and and do that in a more realistic fashion, um, make it easier to put accessory dwelling units on properties outside of city limits inside of city limits in fact would would help housing costs so just a few things we might be able to do there but if you have any ideas on housing again you can give me a call like wayne did 646-721-9887 just press one lets us know you have a question and uh, we'll get you in here on the bow's nose show and and if you want to talk about something other than housing this is a free for all day we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about but you know we 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 can talk about a few other things, and uh, other than housing, but just want to touch on a couple few few other things on housing before we move on from that subject. And we talked a little bit about Envision Eugene, and I just want to express a little bit of my frustration with how long that process took, and they got to a point where they they used a lot of assumptions in the process that kept them from expanding the urban growth boundary. And and it was a tilted process. And and I I think we need to fix that somehow or another in the state rules. So it can't be tilted that way in the future because Eugene's our largest city population wise. So the most potential for adding housing lies with that largest city. And when the largest city goes no growth and and doesn't want to expand, that's driving housing cost up for the entire entirety of Lane County. And uh, really, um, is something we just uh, need to, to resolve. And what it does is it causes other small cities to become the, where the growth happens. And we actually get sprawl in a different way. Junction City is the fastest growing city in Lane County and has been for the last 10 years. And it's because Eugene's not growing, the place where there is residential land that's being subdivided and and built on and sold off is Junction City. So their population's actually growing at a higher percentage rate faster than Eugene's and any other city around. So, and that's one of the places there is potential also is, is if we can get these 11 other cities in Eugene uh, in lane county other than eugene to expand their urban growth boundaries and look at that expansion and, one, and that's where lane county can help play a role in assisting those cities and going through um, their periodic review uh, looking at their inventory of buildable lands justifying the expansion of urban growth boundaries and if eugene's not going to expand their urban growth boundary we'll get you know vanita and junction city and coburg and Cresswell and these other towns, Cottage Grove, let them add housing, you know, and, and we'll get some housing elsewhere in Lane County um, along with these accessory dwelling units and uh, we'll, 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 we'll figure this out. Um, the other aspect is as long as we're not dealing with this the affordable housing issue, it's gonna create the need for emergency housing which has been in the news a lot lately with our approval of the uh, camping program in the River Road in Santa Clara area. That's all about, you know, trying to find emergency housing for people. And quite a few of those people are those people I talked about that were previously severely rent burdened, paying more than 50% of their income uh, for their housing. And something happened and they're on the street looking for emergency housing. And unable to get back into normal housing because they can't put together first, last, and a security deposit um, to get into a rental again. And uh, sometimes they just need that stability of a place to um, park a vehicle for you know several months while they save up first, last, and security deposit and, and get back into normal housing. Uh, sometimes they need they need more than that, but it's really um, if we can work on affordable housing by improving that the housing supply, we might not have to try and find as much emergency housing in this community. So they play off of each other. Plus, if we can get the affordable housing resolved, there'll actually be more jobs and higher-paying jobs in this community, and maybe we won't have so many people that are rent burdened, uh, and they won't have to pay 50% of their income for for their housing. So uh, it all works together if we can work on this supply of housing. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit here on the Bo's Nose Show because it is a free-for-all day and I'm just going to wander to the topics I want to talk about unless you call in at 646-721-9887. Again that's 646-721-9887 and uh, press one lets me know you want to get in on the conversation, puts a little question mark up on my board. So I know that you're not just calling to listen to the show, which some people do sometimes. Uh, if they can't be around their computer, you can call in and just listen on your phone. So I want to get to PERS for a moment because that's been in the news in the last couple of days. Um, you know, we've had this incredible stock market uh, increase since, uh, since the great, you know, uh i, w- I don't want to call it a depression since the great recession of 2008 and the, and the housing bubble the stock market's been coming back slowly but surely and and lately has been going gangbusters to the point that the pers um, board and their investments actually prefer- performed at 125 percent over the last year rate of return which is pretty good rate of return uh seeing that you know most of the interest rates on on savings and stuff like that are down below four percent you know so it's twelve and a half is is, you know hot dog stuff but you know because of that um their assumed rate of return was seven and a half percent so that that five percent differential they were actually able to uh, reduce the unfunded liability in PERS by two billion dollars which just sounds great. Ah, Great, the stock market saving the PERS system. Well, the other part of the story is that still means there's 23.3 billion in unfunded liability that still still needs to be taken care of in the future. And that 23.3 billion is gonna have to come out of the agencies that are participating in the PERS system uh, to make up for that uh, in some way which means your school districts, your cities, your counties, and state government will all have to come up with 23.3 billion sometime over the next 40 years or so, um, and that's a significant amount of money. And uh, fortunately for Lane County, though, we've been able to keep our PERS liability almost completely funded. We're up over 90%, closer to 95% funded. In fact, our high level of funding has kept our PERS rate increases down compared to some other entities. A lot of school districts are actually funded less than eighty percent of their of their future liabilities, um, so they've got this gap, and they're part of that twenty three point three billion. And uh, it's all based on a seven and a half percent assumed rate of return, which anyone that's got savings accounts and stuff right now and and unless you're in the stock market that's a really hard rate of return to keep up year after year so if they don't make seven and a half percent that that unfunded liability will actually balloon and that's really um, something to keep an eye out for here in oregon is just how that's going to impact in particularly school districts are probably the biggest um, i don't want to say offenders but at least the biggest um, most likely to fund the least amount of their their liability when it comes to the PERS system, is school systems have traditionally been below 80% um, or right around 80% funding of their liability. And that means they're the ones seeing the 6% a year rate increases um, uh, from the PERS system. And it's going to start, yeah, in fact, already their school districts that are talking about having to lay off teachers to pay the increased amount they're going to have to pay into the PERS system in the next budget year. And and I saw articles about several school districts recently in the news that are talking about their PERS increases are big enough, their rate increases, that they'll actually have to lay off teachers in order to pay for that PERS increase. So if you don't think, you know, PERS is having an impact on on you. Think about what it's doing to our school system. And this is on top of the news that Oregon is now third worst state in the nation in high school graduation rates. So, you know, kind of makes you wonder, you know, how much we're paying in that PERS system and the changes that really may be necessary uh, to try and get a handle on that, that unfunded liability. Uh, one of the things that was proposed that was not implemented is to actually end Tier One and Tier Two per systems now, and uh, and basically start those folks, uh, anyone that's still in the system, over. And, you know, you, you wouldn't really. The people that are already retired would still get what they've been promised. The people that are working in the systems, their Tier One and Tier Two, whatever they had earned up to. To today's date or whenever you end the system, they would still get what they were promised under that system. They just wouldn't get the build on that in the future. You know, switch over to a defined contribution system for all those folks and basically stop the building of that, that liability. And that was one of the ways of greatly reducing that unfunded liability, but it would take some extreme political will on the part of the legislature to do that because their largest contributors to the current majority in the state legislature are the public employee unions who are building up these nice fat retirement um, uh, benefits under the current system and that cut and stopping tier one tier two PERS uh, would stop the building up of their 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 uh retirement benefits, and, uh, you know, so it's kind of one of those things, the biggest contributor to those parties, you know, from the Oregon Education S- Association to um, ask me, uh to, you know, you name the public employee union, they're contributing to the current um, Democrat majority in the legislature, they have to buckle down unless they want to start seeing those folks being laid off in order to pay for the PERS bills in the school system. So, kind of makes you wonder how we got to this point and why it wasn't dealt with sooner, um, and, and just what it's gonna do to Oregon's education system as we move along. Uh, 23.3 billion in unfunded liability while we're the third worst state in, in the nation for graduating folks from high school uh you know is, is is there cause and effect there as is as the, is that that pers taking you know so much and and making what a school teacher costs to be so high that we have such large class sizes um, because we can't afford enough teachers to decrease class sizes um, I don't know might just be a little bit of relationship there so kind of swung from housing affordability to PERS here and talking about education a little bit because it's a free for all day on the Bo's Nose Show. And we'll talk about whatever you wanna talk about. If you call me at 646-721-9887. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press one, lets me know you wanna get in on the conversation. And we'll talk about what you wanna talk about, whether it's accessory dwelling units or PERS, or our graduation rate here in Oregon, or we can talk about some other things that have been going on. And I, I got the opportunity to attend the Florence City Council meeting this last Monday night, because there was an item on their agenda about our Harbor Vista um, park there in Florence, that's right on the Siuslaw River, um, kind of looks out across the Siuslaw and the Pacific Ocean. Beautiful little RV, uh, sites there um, and the Ocean Woods uh, property that we own in in Florence which is an undeveloped parcel that we inherited from the state park system that's just 40 acres that sits in the middle of a couple of neighborhoods in North Florence and what it was is we our Harbor Vista Park is old enough it's on a septic system and the septic system's not all that great. Of course, it's right up against the river, so you can imagine if it's not working that well, um, you know, it's really not the best thing. People actually have to pull out of their spaces and dump in a centralized tank that we have pumped out now because the septic system's failing. So there's like a holding tank system there and um, just kind of really an awkward system. So what we're hoping to do is, is put in Um, municipal sewers in that RV park because it is surrounded by the city of Florence and a pump station to into their system, which they'll be able to um, connect other neighborhoods to in the future. And uh, make it so that people can pull into an RV spot, hook up their their camper, stay a week and never have to empty, you know, empty tanks, pull out or whatever, you know, it'll be easy peasy campsites. It'll be better for the groundwater table and everything in that area and the river and the ocean. And um, just a good thing. Problem was the cost estimates for doing that came out higher than we had uh, uh, ability to afford out of our parks capital budget. So we came up with the idea of transferring this ocean woods 40 acres that sits in the middle of Florence and is undeveloped to the city of Florence for future park property for Florence as part and have the city pay for part of the sewer cost through their their um, and back to sdc's again through their sdc fund um because it is future capacity we're building with that pump station and um they had that before the florence city council monday night and actually approved it so it was kind of a nice partnership between the city of florence and lane county to uh help us improve our park and now once we get that built we also have an expansion of, of that park to add a bunch more RV spaces somewhere about 2020 after you know after the the sewer system gets done which means we hopefully will have more spaces in that park when the 2021 worlds come and uh, we're going to need a lot more of everything when the worlds are here um, and uh, Florence will gain this 48 acres of undeveloped uh, Parkland in in North Florence, where they will uh, eventually grow out to, um, so that they don't get caught like Eugene did, where they've been annexing areas of North Eugene, and and don't have enough parks in North Eugene. Um, had the city you know owned some land before they started annexing that area, you know, for parks, it might have worked out a little bit better. So, um, great vision for Florence. Nice partnership work with them. On top of the week before the board improved a significant investment Florence of tourism dollars where we are actually going to help Florence with their revision Florence project with $1.2 million in transient room taxes that are meant for tourism to help change how highway 101 and highway 126 look as you drive through florence that's what the revision florence project is going to do kind of totally rebuild how the parking works there how the sidewalks work how the um, signage and gateways work and directional down into old town florence going to really spruce it up and make it look really uh, nice and become a gateway and you know, opportunity for a lot of public art. And we're really hoping it's going to change, um, you know, the draw of Florence as a tourism town. And, and uh, we're looking at the possibility of a couple new hotels going in in Florence that would actually, you know, the, the transit room taxes from those new hotels would probably pay more than pay off in return on investment of this transit room taxes in the future. So, couple really good collaborative projects between Lane County and the city of Florence recently uh, to really kind of improve those, you know, the the various, um, you know, working collaboration between us and improve tourism. In fact, when you think about the Harbor Vista, part of that agreement is we are actually going to annex that park into the city of Florence, so we'll have to actually pay City of Florence transient room taxes into Florence. So they'll actually get a revenue stream that'll help pay for that sewer work also. So there's, there's um, you know just a, a great symbiotic relationship going uh, between the City of Florence and Lane County right now. Um, Mayor Joe Henry there, uh, their council president, Josh Green, and the councilors there have just been working well. Our um, Chair Pat Farr of the County Commission was a big cheerleader for the Revision Florence project. Uh, he likes the Florence area, spends a lot of time there. And I just think it's one of those things where you know you folks west of the tunnel sometimes think we forget about you here in uh, downtown Eugene at in Harris Hall. And uh, we haven't forgotten about you guys west of the tunnel. In fact, we, we've been making some significant investments over there um, over the last couple of years, from whether it was uh, Archie Knoll's Campground that we re- we took back over from uh, the Forest Service and reopened, to uh, this expansion uh, improvements and expansion of Harbor Vista Park, to our investment in Revision Florence, to small things, uh, and some not so small like the uh, reconstruction of Sweet Creek Road where it was sliding into the saw River that accesses Sweet Creek Falls and um, uh, some other areas up there that are tourist areas and also we're getting ready next summer to reconstruct part of Barnhard Creek Road that's sliding in the Sajuslaw River um, in that area. So whether it's road fund money being invested there, tourism dollars, park capital funds, um, there's money coming back onto the west side of the tunnel out of Lane County's coffers uh, just to keep uh, the infrastructure up there uh, and invest in new infrastructure along um, in the city of Florence to try and get um, more tourism and improve that area economically. Um, so really uh, some great collaboration going on. And we do remember there is more the, to Lane County than the Willamette Valley, you know, it, which includes Thinking about areas all the way up in Oak Ridge too. Uh, we don't forget about our friends on the east side either um, and strong advocacy from uh, Commissioner Williams about the east side issues. And, and we um, are constantly looking for ways to help those communities out also. Kind of where I to see some of the accessory dwelling units helping in some of those areas, uh, adding some workforce housing for all those um, BERT, burgeoning tourism industries whether it's in blue river or uh, up in the dexter area um, you know housing is needed um, and we we you know going full circle back here to the original conversation topic here on the Bo's nose show and uh we can talk about what you want to talk about on the Bozno show if you give me a call 646-721-9887 and uh Press one lets us know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646 721 Just press one. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. I have to, um, you know, Wayne brought up the idea of, you know, we need to organize people and, and make some changes in this state. What's funny is I got criticized on Facebook in this whole discussion of affordable housing. Um, You know, I was talking about making people aware of the issue and especially about accessory dwelling units um, because I wanted to um, make sure the public understood that so that there's some effort to try and pull back that that law um, that was passed last session in the short session coming up in February and to actually not allow counties to approve accessory dwelling units out in rural residential areas and um, you need public support for that and I actually had somebody criticizing me of oh that's all politicians do is talk to people and and, you know make people aware and it's like that's one of the things you have to do is make people aware of an issue and get support to actually convince other politicians to make change because there are places where I as a Lane County Commissioner can only do so much because there's state law that prevents me from going further and I need to get the folks of Lane County talking to state legislators to um, actually um, get them to make change and uh, affect change so yes I do have to talk to people and get them to um, be aware and that's and part of that organizing. So in one case, Wayne wants me to organize people, yet I had another person on Facebook criticize me for talking politician about making people aware and not getting anything done. But what I think people don't understand is one of the things, how you get things done as a politician is to get people on your side and hopefully um, get them to. Uh, uh, you know, help help me pressure for change at the state level or at the federal level. So it looks like we have somebody that wants to get in on the conversation here. Looks like we have Tony um, on the line. What what what's your question or topic oh, it, do you want to talk it, about today? Uh,
2: yes, um, uh, actually my name's Tone T O N E, not uh, Tony.
1: Tone, sorry, I I I I thought it was misspelled. Oh. Sorry.
2: Oh, don't worry, don't worry. I'm sorry about that. No, I just wanted to uh, get your insight of what you think about this uh, Jerusalem, uh, um, making Jerusalem the capital through Trump. What, what was your opinion on that?
1: Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll be honest. This is probably one place where I don't have a lot of history and background knowledge. Um, uh-huh. I'll, I'll confess <laughs> to not being an expert in Middle East politics. I do understand. (laughs) Actually, there's actually a congressional law in the books that's been there for um, years, and I think it's around 20 years. That actually, 30 years. That actually requires us to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and move our move our embassy there. And the executive branch has actually been refusing to adhere to a legislative branch mandate for 30 years now so you know the the question kind of is is how first how did the executive branch get away with that for 30 years but then why did trump suddenly decide to acquiesce is it going to be a big issue or not i i don't know Uh, and um but it is kind of one of those well what do you uh, think yeah what i'm sorry don't
2: you don't you think that this is going to be a huge issue period i mean considering that so many countries are upset even the pope is upset at this point um you have great britain our allies alone that we've had for so many years um are upset our country is splitting apart you have people choosing no matter if you're on the left or right choosing their party over country um i've never seen so much hatred for liberals and liberals hating conservatives i mean our country, we're supposed to be America under one flag, united. And it seems like since Trump got into office, that it's not that way. I know it was a little bit that way before. I saw it going that way, but I, w- I just want to get your opinion on on everything with the decisions and and uh, what you feel the country is going to uh, see in the next few years.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had a I spent almost an entire show back in, I think it was January, um, talking about the politics of division and and um, how this country's gotten to where we are, where we are so divided. Um, and, sure. and it's been part of it's about pitting one group against another uh, group identity and, and, and trying to get people to identify as members of groups. And then once you have them identifying as members of groups, you can blame other groups for their woes or or you know be, be envious of other groups for their successes. And that's kind of what's been developing for years now is trying to separate us into groups and and, um, and and do this group identity and and work work that angle as a way to electoral success. And both parties have done it and and it's and it's been a trend that started back somewhere in, in, in the 90s, you know, as they started working yes, in the demographics and, and the split. And, and on, on top of that, there was a whole change in culture that also started back in the 90s of um, this this acceptance of what I call um, the, the put down humor. And, and you go back to sure. the popularity of the Seinfeld show and some other shows of that time and you didn't have comedy on television that was popularly accepted that actually the 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 funny part of it was demeaning another yeah one character demeaning another character and that was what you were supposed to laugh at you know (laughs) and and it it became very i saw it in the workplace even you know in the offices i worked in you know the cube bills of engineering companies where that was being picked up by the younger generation that were Seinfeld fans and that you started hearing that humor in the office. And and so those two things working together that kind of demeaning and then you then you add the mix of social media to that. Oh, yeah it really changed <laughs> it really changed how people, you know, that you know the put down culture along with group identity and social media has really allowed people to divide themselves and really get, you know, drawing lines between themselves and the the fix to that in some ways and what I talked about a bit and what I try and do in, in, in my work as an elected official is even if somebody I vastly disagree with on on policy direction. I assume the reason they they have that opinion is not because they're evil, or an idiot, or whatever. It's because they believe it's what's best, and you assume the other person has good intention in what they believe. And you can start if you start with that as 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 your first assumption about somebody else's opinion, and you know whether it's you know where 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 we should be putting our embassy in Israel or you know any other uh, issue facing us. Uh, you know politically and decision wise if there if there's somebody that has the opposite opinion you assume they have that opinion because they believe their opinion is what's best for us as a community as a as a county as a state as a country as 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 the world and then at least you can work with them because you assume they want the best and start looking for where your two opposite viewpoints might have some commonalities that you can both agree on, uh, but it's this, uh, but, very but, smart, but you know, that's, that's, that's very, very smart of
2: you. What are you a Republican or are or, or you lean more towards the left?
1: I am a registered Republican, but I, I came at came to but, Republicanism from the Li- libertarian side of the party. So, so well, I, you know, I, I, I have probably, to give you a lot
2: of credit. it, it it is really amazing. Uh, I'm an independent myself, but what a what a great uh, show that you have, that you are as open-minded as you are and as willing to listen to other people, because I think that's one big problem with our country. On top of it, I think it's a lot of influence from family and religion uh, um, on what we do in this world. Uh, But it's really, I'm going to go right now and I'm going to listen to the rest of your show. But let me just tell you, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for talking and thank you for what you do.
1: All right, thank you very much, Tone. I I appreciate the Mm call and uh, thank you for listening to those no-show. Yep. That was Tone definitely taking advantage of free-for-all day on, on the Bose Nose Show and he took the cop topic where he wanted to take it <clears throat> excuse me there and uh you know like I said we'll talk about anything and and, uh, I, and I, I and I'll confess when I don't really know a subject well and and can't give a, a an educated opinion on something and he caught me on a subject that I'm probably uh, not an expert on, and that's uh, you know between national security, uh, international politics, especially in the Middle East, I am not going to declare myself an expert. <clears throat> One of the things though i I am uh, trying to be is is an acute observer of human nature in some ways uh, as I've had to deal with the public and have been a bit of a political walk for years, and we kind of got to to something and 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 something we could both talk about and agree on is just how divided this country's got how it got there and so you know and for me i always once you identify a problem you should have some way of trying to help solve it and what i've always tried to do is is look for um people's good intentions and and not assuming bad intentions on somebody's part that you disagree with so Don't have a whole lot of time left in the Bo's Nose Show. In fact, I hear the music coming on in the background there, which means we're just about done today. Well, I appreciate everyone listening today, and thank you to uh, Tone and Wayne for calling in today. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on the Bo's Nose Show. And it's probably going to be my last show until after Christmas because I'm going to Hawaii for my 60th birthday right before Christmas. So... We'll talk to you next week on the Bose Show. Coming to you again live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. Have a great week. Talk to you later.